Good morning, everyone. Joe contacted me Thursday, and he's up at Perry. Him and Debbie went up there to help his mother-in-law and his two sister-in-laws try to see what they can salvage from the hurricane that pretty well took a direct hit in Perry. So always a, an honor, always a, a privilege to, to open God's Word together. And this is something I had been kind of working on over several weeks, but uh, it brought it quickly to a close with from Thursday to finish it up. So hope it will be a blessing to you, an encouragement, and that's always my prayer. Have you ever had someone get on your nerves, pushed your button, tried your patience, belittled you, put you down, looked down on you, tried to pick a fight or start an argument? Well, sad to say, join the club. Difficult people surround us most of the time, and they can get us out of fellowship quickly. Difficult people can be people we work with, neighbors we live beside, people on the phone, or even family members. Well, this morning we're going to look at a passage where a man after God's own heart was dealing with a difficult person, a person who wanted to kill him because he was jealous. Join me in Psalm 54. Psalm 54. And in this psalm we find a shepherd who was fleeing a king who was intent on killing him. And in addition, he had tattletales following him, helping the king find his location. Every time he'd find a hiding place, they would tell on him and say, oh, he's over here. In Psalm 54, we find three steps to dealing with difficult people. So join me in this psalm. Psalm 54, just seven verses, but full of help for us as we too deal with difficult people. At least I think we all do. Beginning of verse 1, Psalm 54. Save me, O God, by your name. And vindicate me by your power. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, and violent men have sought my life. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. He will recompense the evil to my foes. Destroy them in your faithfulness. Willingly I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all trouble, and my eye has looked with satisfaction upon my enemies. But before we look at these seven verses and see these three steps that we need to follow, we need to know a little background to this psalm. David wrote Psalm 54, and it's a Maskell song of David. A Maskell song offers instruction and insight in dealing with problems others create who are as ornery as we are. That's what one commentator said. According to 1 Samuel 23, David was being hunted by King Saul and found David in an isolated and rugged 
location. The Zephites, on more than one occasion, tattled on David's location and related to King Saul. As hard as David tried, he could find no safe haven. So that's kind of the background of Psalm 54. Now we get to the first step in dealing with difficult people, and that's shared in verses 1 to 4. Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your power. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth, for strangers have risen against me, and violent men have sought my life. They have not set God before them. Selah. That first step that we need to take in dealing with difficult people is we need to pray for deliverance. Pray for deliverance. In the Hebrew Bible, verses 1 and 2 read, O God, save me. O God, hear my prayer. And David shares his total dependence on God by repeating his name, O God, O God. He's crying out. One commentator shares, we discover immediately an example in David for when we find ourselves under attack are emotionally distressed by people, pray first. Don't wait. Ask for his strength and stability. But normally, we pray last often, don't we? Say, well, God, if I need you, then I'll pray about it. If it gets real desperate, I'll turn to you. Instinct, when we're dealing with difficult people, normally compels us, we want to fight back. We want to retaliate. We want to resent them because they're making our lives miserable. David addresses God, save me. The word means to deliver or rescue or snatch from danger to preserve. At times like David, we need God to grab us and protect us. It was a common cry from soldiers while serving in combat areas while under fire or danger to cry out, save me, rescue me, deliver me. Often those close calls can get us more in tune with crying out to the Lord that God is always watching out over us. While I was uh, at training with my unit at Fort Hunter Liggett, in California, we had a very close call. And our unit was a light infantry unit, and we did most of our missions at night. So we had to wear these pleasant-looking nods, they call them, so you could see at night. And so it'd be pitch black, but you could see with these nods, they'd light up, and you could see in the dark. And we were driving, my chaplain assistant, chaplain assistant Gregory was driving, and we couldn't see very far ahead of us, and I was trying to watch ahead, and all of a sudden I just saw pitch black, and I said, stop, Corporal Gregory. I got out of the vehicle and went around and looked, and right ahead of us was a drop-off of about 30 feet. That's a close call. God prompted, I believe, for me to yell out, stop. If we would have kept going, I don't know what would have happened. It wouldn't have been good. And so 
I was crying out in a sense, save me. Save me by your name. Pastor Warren Worsby shares, by your name means on the basis of your character, especially God's strength and his faithfulness. Do we ever take time to thank God for his faithfulness, for his power? Based on God's power in verse 5, David prays, destroy them in your faithfulness. And as I was uh, thinking of that passage, I was reminded of a song we sing here quite often at Lakeside. It's called, He Will Hold Me Fast. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold, he must hold me fast. He will hold me fast, he will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight, Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. I think we need to remember Songs like this that are an encouragement that God has a hold of us. And in those times where, where our faith isn't what it should be, God is hanging on to us and he won't let go. God is all-powerful and faithful to save David and us. Our ultimate salvation is what? It's being ushered into God's presence, either through the rapture or death. Either way, our eternal home will be with him in heaven. There's an example of three POWs in Daniel 3 when they answered the king who said, I want you to worship my idol that I've set up. And we see in verses 16 and 17, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. In other words, we don't need to discuss it. It is to be so. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's courage. That's confidence under fire because they looked to God. They didn't look at themselves. David continues here in Psalm 54. Hear my prayer. How often do we cry out for God to hear us? James Montgomery Boyce adds, He, David, asked God to hear his lament. When Jesus prayed, he said on one occasion, Father, I know that you always hear me. It is also true that God always hears us in the sense that he knows all things and therefore obviously also hears all things. One thing we as believers can trust is that God hears our prayers by thinking back all the times God rescued us from danger like Hurricane Adelia, who was predicted at one point to be a tropical depression and mushroomed into a Category 4 hurricane. I must admit, I have to rethink weather people. 
when these kind of storms come, <laughs> say, my, they really don't know a whole lot, but they're giving us the best that they know, and that's human knowledge. Only God is still sovereign over all. Sometimes God protects us from danger we didn't even know was there, but God did. Like a close call on US-19, I'm sure none of you have experienced. Or a tree that falls on the house as the ground is saturated or flooding. Those things that come up, God is always protecting us. Now we move to the threat to David shared in verse 3. For strangers have risen against me and violent men have sought my life. Strangers here is referring to the people of Ziph, the tattletales who informed King Saul where David's trying to hide from King Saul. The Ziphites were of unknown origin. David struggled to understand why these strangers, these scattered people would take side with King Saul and spy as to where David was hiding. Violent men, this point is a reference to Saul and all the soldiers with him. David had served Saul, King Saul, as a soldier and a musician. And this former boss now sent his troops to bring back David's head. There were only 600 loyal soldiers stood with David. Everyone else stood against him. The Bible is full of examples of times we need to be rescued from difficult people. But few of them threaten our lives. As I was looking through scripture, one example is Noah. I think of Noah dealing with difficult people. In Genesis 6, he was given the task of building an ark when they'd never seen rain before. And for 120 years, he worked on this ark. He preached to the people around him repentance, but no one listened. That's difficult people. Only his family was spared. Another example is Nehemiah. He led a group of people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Imagine that, getting all that organized. And according to the book of Nehemiah, he had to put up with ridicule, threats of attack, gossip, extortioners from a group of difficult people everything that he did until finally he had a cry out in one verse. He said, help me, Lord. It's getting overwhelming. We're never in that point. But Nehemiah experienced it. And what happened? Were the walls rebuilt? Absolutely, because God was with that mission. And he empowered them to be able to get it done. And for Nehemiah not to give up, not to quit. Final example, we look at Daniel. In chapter 6 of Daniel, we find jealous and difficult fellow workers. They tried to find fault with Daniel, but according to verse 4 of chapter 6, they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Not was there any error or fault found in him. They looked meticulously at Daniel's life, and they couldn't find anything. So they had to come up with a trickery scheme to give to King Darius to have him thrown in the lion's den. And did God protect him there? 
He chose to protect them. And those were hungry lions. All they ate was people when they were thrown in there. That's the worst thing. I can't imagine. I've seen lions. I can't imagine being thrown down with hungry lions. But Daniel was spared. Why? As a testimony. Do you think King Darius, when he, that next morning he went over to the sealed up cave of the lions, when he was saying, Daniel, are you there? Is anyone there? That he expected to hear a voice and he heard Daniel's voice. And he wasn't saying, quick, get me out of here. Boy, these lions are gnawing on my feet. No, he was patient. He had a testimony to King Darius at that point. God had delivered him. And he wanted God to get all the credit. While serving as a chaplain in Pinellas County Jail, there was one inmate, and we'll call him Ray. And he shared he was having trouble with a cellmate who constantly harassed him and tried to bully him. And we encouraged him to pray about it. And within a few days, that inmate was transferred to another wing. That coincidence? No, I don't believe so. God works in the everyday parts of our lives. Those are the times we need to trust Him. So when the big things come, we automatically say, God, I'm going to look to You. I'm going to pray to You. These enemies of David did not have God on their side. It says, they have not set God before them. They weren't trying to fulfill God's will, but they were acting to promote themselves, not God. There's a great thought, Pastor Charles Swindoll shares these thoughts, and I get a chuckle out of it. When people turn against you and you are in the right, it's like being kicked by a mule. (laughs) Consider the source. You are kicked by a creature whose nature is to kick. That's all they know what to do. (laughs) So that's one way of looking at those difficult people. Verse 3 concludes, Selah, a pause. We need to pause to consider the wisdom in these first three verses. The first step of deliverance from difficult people, we need to pray for deliverance. Now we move to the second step in deliverance from difficult people, and that's shared in verses 4 and 5. And that is, we need to anticipate deliverance. Anticipate deliverance. Verse 4. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. He will recompense the evil to my foes. Destroy them in your faithfulness. Verse 4 begins, Behold, look with attention to something. Here, look at that rainbow. Or look out, that car's breaking. It's our attention. And then we have this powerful statement, God is my helper. The original word for helper in the Hebrew carries with it the idea of rescue. The word speaks of indispensable help without which we'd be hopelessly doomed. Often we need God to rescue us. God is our helper, our rescuer, and our sustainer. As verse 4 continues, the word has the idea of leaning on someone or something for support. Like steel beams that support a building. 
God keeps us going when we feel like giving up. And as I was doing this study, I found this reminder of an inmate serving time in a facility in St. Petersburg. Her name is Angela. And what she wrote here is entitled, Prisoner. I was a prisoner long before I was an inmate. My heart was so filled with hate. The shackles were locked around my soul. My heart had a huge empty hole. I wasn't living the way that I should. I pushed away everything that was good. Then one day I finally fell to my knees. I begged God to help me, please. He came into my life. He had the key. He unlocked the shackles and set my soul free. He forgave my sins and gave me a new start. The Holy Spirit filled the hole in my heart. Now I thank the Lord every single day for opening my eyes and showing me the way. I'm still behind bars, but there is a smile on my face, for I was blessed with God's grace. And then a second little article, little poem, thoughts. It's written by Elena. And she shares this from Lowell Correctional Institute in Ocala, Florida. When struggles come your way and the tears you cannot hide, just know you're not alone. Jesus is always by your side. Sometimes we do not know why we go through the things we do, but always keep your faith in God because he will see you through. Hard times don't last forever. There's a rainbow after the rain. Our Savior loves us no matter what, and He'll take away the pain. Keep fighting the good fight of faith, and pick your head up high. Next time you look up, you could see a rainbow in the sky. So even though it's hard sometimes, remember you're not alone. Jesus is with you always and forever, and He's coming back to take us home. I thought those were good reminders from those who are serving time. And as I always was working, when I was working at Pinellas County Jail, except for the grace of God, I could be on the other side where they're at. So many opportunities. Verse 5 continues. He will recompense the evil to my foes. Destroy them in your faithfulness. God will take care of David's enemies those violent strangers and very difficult people. Chuck Swindoll shares, Surely God won't actually destroy the enemy. I look up the term destroy in the Hebrew text. Do you know what it actually means? Are you ready for a shock? It means to exterminate. Literally to cause to annihilate. God will cause those who have become his enemies to be totally, completely, thoroughly removed. But I remind you that David doesn't do the removing, God does. That's where the battle can be. Living beyond the daily parade of difficult people requires we leave the vengeance to God who handles it his way. James Montgomery Boyce adds, Remember that when David had the opportunity, 
he did not take justice against Saul into his own hands. What seemed to be God-given opportunities to kill Saul, but records how he spared Saul's life on at least two occasions, 1 Samuel 24 and 1 Samuel 26. When God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, he means it. Whether it's according to our timetable, God will keep his word. We need to take a moment or two to reflect how in God's timing he took care of difficult people and realize God is God and we are not. But even if we don't see vengeance in our lifetime, it will happen as God cannot lie. Instead of seeking revenge and dealing with difficult people, we're to forgive them. That's a tough one. Can we do that in our own power? No way. But God's way is for us to forgive as Matthew 6.14 warns us. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And a second warning in Matthew 18.21. Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. How many of our sins did Jesus forgive on the cross? A prime example beside Jesus forgiving us is the Old Testament example of Joseph in the book of Genesis. He could have easily got back at his brothers. But what did he say? You meant it for evil, God meant it for what? For good. God was working. And Joseph recognized that and he wanted God to get to all the credit. So now we've seen the first two steps to deliverance from difficult people. First, we need to pray for deliverance. Secondly, we need to anticipate deliverance. Now we come to the third step. Be thankful for deliverance. Be thankful for deliverance. And we see this in verses 6 and 7. Willingly I will sacrifice to you I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all trouble, and my eye has looked with satisfaction upon my enemies. It begins in verse 6, Willingly I will sacrifice to you. Again, letting God be God. Surrendering to God's will and plan for our lives. God is our ally. One commentator shares, God's ways are inscrutable, too lofty and complex to understand. He is nonetheless for us. He is on our side. James Montgomery Boyce adds, this is a thank offering promised to God in advance of his deliverance on the grounds of his firm confidence that God would indeed deliver him. And the verse continues, I will give thanks 
to your name, O Lord, for it is good. David focused himself to worship God despite the difficult people around him, despite a king who wanted to kill him, despite the tattletales always pointing out where he was hiding from the king. He was surrendered to know God was in control and able to say, for it is good. Those are the times that test our faith. Those are the times that our faith can grow or it can shrivel. It depends at that point, are we looking to God? Are we looking to God to do things our way or according to His plan? Do we have to understand everything that God does? Do we have to say, God, you owe me an explanation? As we were reminded this morning by Pastor Steve, nothing we've done to deserve salvation, but God chose, He's all-knowing, He's Does he know every situation we're going to be in today or tomorrow or this week? Does he know that ahead of time? Read Psalm 139. He knows the words before we speak. He is the one that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there and he hangs on to us. He grasps us in his mighty right hand and no one can snatch us out of God's hand. When those difficult times come, when the difficult people make it hard for that day to get through it, can we say it's good? God, you're doing your plan in my life. I don't have to understand it, but I'm going to trust you that you know what you're doing. I'm going to lean on the promises you've given us. As David began this psalm with no confidence He remembered how God had delivered him in the past. Was David delivered when he stood before Goliath? He saw that mighty warrior. He was the one who said, Who will stand up against this mighty warrior, Goliath? And he raised his hand and said, I'll go. And he said, Okay. Saul said, Okay, I'm going to give you all this armor. He put it on. He couldn't even walk. (laughs) He said, Here, these... These stones and this sling are good enough because God's the one who will direct where they'll go. And did they direct where they go? Where they needed to go? And I always uh, remember in Awana, one of the things we quiz the kids on from time to time, why did David, if he thought he was such a good shot with his sling, take five stones? Anybody know? There was brothers. Okay, Goliath had four brothers, so he had one for each. That's all he needed because God directed where the stone went. So David, I'm sure, was reflecting back, God, you delivered me out of Goliath. You'll deliver me from King Saul and from these tattletales who follow me around everywhere. He was anxious to begin with, but by the end of the psalm, he's restored. He has God's peace again. And he could trust God to see him to the end. Kind of reminds me of some special verses recorded in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace 
of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We can lean on that because God has promised it. Verse 7 continues, He has delivered me from all trouble, and my eye has looked with satisfaction upon my enemies. He's saying, God, even through these difficult people, you're working out your plan for me, and that is to trust you. And God delivered David, according, we won't look at it, but 1 Samuel 23 Verses 26 to 29, God did deliver David. David could look the tattletale Ziphites and potential murderer King Saul in the eye with confidence. God's in charge, not you. David released his enemies to God and God would deal with them in his own perfect way. And knowing this gave David peace. Peace that you can't humanly explain. But if you have it, you know it. And if you don't, you know it. When we release those difficult people into God's hands, we can trust He will do what's best. God's plans and ways are not our plans and ways. According to Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God's ways are lower than ours. Does God rubber stamp our plans? And say, whatever you say, that's not how it works. God's ways are higher. Because God knows, as sovereign God of the universe, He knows everything going on all at once. You say, well, how can that be? Because He's God. So we've taken three steps in seeking deliverance from difficult people. First, we need to pray about it first thing. Secondly, we need to anticipate God's deliverance because it's coming. And then we need to be thankful for deliverance. I always think of the lepers who were healed. Remember the ten lepers? How many came back to thank the Lord? One. Let's be the one to remember to always thank God for how he's working in our lives. So how do we apply this? We trust God and with God's help, follow these steps the next time we deal with difficult people. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you're so patient with us. And Lord, we don't deserve to be saved, but you saved us. We praise you. Help us to live lives that reflect that we're one of your children and that we have eternity to look forward to to be with you forever. To someday have bodies that won't wear out, bodies that won't get old, bodies that it's hard to get up in the morning, Lord. We'll be up praising you and we won't have to be sleeping and achy and dealing with all of the diseases and things that come up. Lord, thank you for being on the throne this morning. And we pray, Lord, as we face another week, Lord willing, we would face it with the help that we receive from your word. We remember Psalm 54 when that difficult person steps in our way and forgive them. 
as you've forgiven us. We look forward to, Lord, what you are doing and will do. And we pray if you decide to come this week, we would praise you for that too. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Have a great week.